welcome to Vineyard KC West podcast. For more information, visit us at vineyardkcwest.com. All right. Good morning, guys. Well, I'll tell you what, this was our first 4th of July in Kansas City. And I'll tell you what, Kansas City, you guys get your 4th of July on. Wow. Especially in Wyandotte County. People told me like the dot comes out on 4th of July. I, I mean, it was even going last night. What's interesting, yeah, no, please. What's interesting is that, uh, in, so in Southern California, where we're from, because there's so many wildfires, you just don't have, I mean, you can buy fireworks, but they're pretty much like big sparklers. Uh, you don't have that. And so we were at a friend's birthday party, and then we drove home at about like after dark, and I was going through a, a war zone. And, you know, I, I, th- I had no idea. And you ever see Days of Thunder? You remember that movie with Tom Cruise? And when the crash happens, you just gun it through it. That's how I was going through my neighborhood. I just smoke everywhere. I'm just, I'm just going to press on the gas and go through and hope that I make it. And, uh, but it was, it was pretty impressive. And so we, we were kind of, we're, we're new. And so we're like, okay, well, this is what we do. So we even got into the game some. And so it wasn't impressive. My neighbors are looking like, you don't get it. Because they have, I mean, you guys know, but they have like the mortar things. In San Diego, thousands of people would go to the beach and watch. Uh, It would be longer, but some of the things that people are doing, like they would fight for spots to watch that. And, And that was just on the 4th of July. And yet last night, my neighbor had a show that would rival any of those. So I, I, I don't know. It's, it, but it, it's, it's a lot of fun, and, and we sure enjoyed um, being a part of it. Uh, but, but, you know, that's what you do, right, when you're part of that. Uh, today, we're going to be in Acts chapter 13 and 14. We're not going to read the entire passage. We've been going through Acts, and we're looking at uh, the unstoppable progress of the gospel, the spread of the continuing work of Jesus throughout the earth, right? Uh, Jesus uh, it didn't stop with him. It continued with his people. So that's what we're looking at. And going in that today, um, uh, Stephen Covey, uh, he wrote uh, The Seven Habits of uh, um, Effective People. And uh, he also wrote a book called The Eighth Habit. And The Eighth Habit describes a poll of 23,000 employees drawn from a number of companies and industries. And the poll had to do with uh, the employees' understanding of their company or organization's mission, and then also their satisfaction with uh, what they were doing there. And the results were that there's huge dissatisfaction uh, amongst people, typically with companies that they work for. Uh, Very low percentage actually are satisfied. And then also, too, their understanding of what their role is within that company or organization, just very, very low. Everything was under uh, 40% or lower. Uh, just one thing was 33%. He broke it down into more measurable ideas, it, it, the idea of a soccer team. And so think of the, the USA women's team uh, that will win today. Uh, think of this. Imagine if the USA women's team, that only four of the 11 players on the field knew which goal was theirs. That's the equivalent of these findings of how people operate within companies and organizations that they work for. Um, the, only two of 11 would care. That's the showings from these 23,000 people. Uh, only two of the 11 would know what position they play and know exactly what they're supposed to do. 
And then lastly, all but two players would in some way be competing against their own team rather than the opponent. That's the equivalent of most of our workplaces. Those are the results from this study. Now, this happens in church, too. This happens in church throughout history where the church forgets what their purpose is. And then the people that are a part of the church, the global church, forget what their role is within that. So Acts doesn't show us a perfect church, but it shows us a, it shows us a purposed church. It shows us a church that the time, they had the, they had the luxury of time. It wasn't that long in between Jesus' life and ministry and his death and resurrection between what we see here, maybe 30 years or so. And so we have a situation where they, it's, hey, remember. But as time goes on, even then, they got off track. And so for us today, uh, we're driving home purpose. Uh, what does it look like? What we see in Acts is that we see a people that are loving God and, and loving people. We see a people that are answering and echoing the question of God. Um, in Isaiah, in the Old Testament, he says, whom shall I send? In other words, hey, there's stuff that needs to help in the world. Who should I send? And the prophet Isaiah says, here I am, send me. And so that's what we see of the church here. Uh, and that's what we want to do as well. So let's pray, and then we'll dive in here. God, we thank you for your word. We thank you for um, your presence here amongst us. We thank you for your great love for us. And God, we don't want to be aimless in our lives. We don't want to miss the mark. We don't want to wander around. We want to be the people that you made us to be. We don't want to settle, God, for a life or for a purpose that's less than what you want. And so we bring you our whole selves this morning. We ask that you would teach Holy Spirit, and we ask that you would show us more of you. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so the first thing is, I want us just to review, because this is a major shift in the book of Acts. And so the outlines that are in your bulletins I put those in there. I mean, if you were to save those up, you would have a really good understanding of the book of Acts. And so today, here's a little review of where we've been. So first, we see that the gospel to Jerusalem, okay? That's how it started out. The first eight chapters, model church, uh, there was persecution as well, as well. Lots of people coming to know Jesus. Uh, and you know, these are the first followers of Jesus that is happening so then you see the gospel start to spread out. Judea, as far as the farther area, then Samaria, and then to Syria, Antioch and Syria. You see Samaritans come to faith in Jesus. You see Gentiles come to faith in Jesus, which for you and I, the most of us would be Gentiles. We would say, well, yeah, of course, especially as Americans, for us too. But for the Jews, they had no idea that the kingdom of God would come and take take root in all of people, that it was for everybody. They just didn't get it. Uh, you see the conversion of Saul. Now Saul, who became Paul, right? Pretty confusing uh, name change. But he was to be the apostle to the Gentiles. He was going to be the one that would share this good news of Jesus to all of the people that weren't Jews. And then uh, Gospel of the Gentiles in Antioch, we see that happen there. And then, and then what we see is that we see uh, it, in Chapter, um, chapter 13 through 28, we're going to see the gospel everywhere. So good news everywhere. 
absolutely everywhere the gospel's going to go. And it's a good place for us to pause as we look at this, you know, the next you know, chapters, is we can ask ourselves, what's my part? What's my part in the gospel to everywhere? Uh, because it's still happening, right? We are, we are living Acts 29. There's 28 chapters in the book. But the gospel to everywhere is still happening. And as I follow after Jesus Christ, and I'm following after him, my goal is to not get good at church. My goal isn't to get good at religion. But my goal is, is to get on that train that's going. And that train is moving somewhere, and it's spreading the gospel all throughout the whole earth. So to ask myself, what is my role in this? Because it's not just one of a spectator. Uh, you know, we've got baseball happening right now, the NBA season wrapped up. I think there's NASCAR still going on. Uh, uh, my, favorite, my favorite sport is, is, is football. And so in a, in a little less than a month, right, you've got the Hall of Fame game. And, and it, sure, it's preseason, but it kicks off. And it's important for me, I have to walk through this every year, to remember that I am, I am simply a spectator, right? <laughs> and so I don't need to get too fired up here. I'm simply a spectator. It's different, though, with the gospel to everywhere. You know, you're, if you're a follower of Jesus, you're not a spectator. You're a part of the movement. You're a part of what's happening. So you've got to ask, you know, what is, what is my role? Now, as we go into the, the, the next chapters, uh, we've got the first journey, which we're going to look at today. Go back. Uh, we've got the first journey, which we're going to look at today, which is to Galatia. So your New Testament, this is important, your New Testament is built upon these journeys. So the letters that Paul writes, he writes to the churches that he established on these journeys that we're going to read about. So you can see hints of why he wrote certain things in these letters. And you get a much better handling of what was written there. You see, when you do Bible interpretation, which you all are Bible interpreters, you all interpret what the Bible says. You don't start with, what does this mean to me? You start with, what did it mean to the writer when he wrote it? And then what would the people have heard, right? And then you say, okay, how, how do I apply this to my life now? So the second journey goes to Europe, okay? Now, you guys should be interested in that because here's the thing. The reason that all of you guys and me, for the most part, that we know Jesus or we've heard about Jesus or we'll come to know Jesus today is, is because of that journey. Like, that kicked it off. The gospel spread to Europe and then it spread throughout. The third journey to Asia, and again, if you come from, from Asian descent, same thing. It kicked off there. Uh, in First and Second Corinthians and Romans come out of those and then the fourth journey to Rome, uh, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, and Philemon, so the, the, uh, the prison epistles. He was in prison, in jail when he wrote those. And so that all comes out into your New Testament from that. And a good way to remember it, if you ever want to know, like, the different journeys, is gear. So Galatia, Europe, Asia, Rome, gear. So you know where the different journeys go. If you're that interested, please talk to me. I need another nerd, okay, uh, that's interested in this. And so, so that's, that's where that goes. Let's look at the first journey, though. So the gospel to Galatia. Go to the next slide. So here's the map here, right? So they're starting out at Antioch here. And you, if you follow the arrows, it's, that's where they go on this journey. Uh, they go over to the island of Cyprus, and then they, they go on this whole area. 
And so when you see, and then it's the whole area of Galatia. When you read the book of Galatians, it's written to these people that he's going to at this time. So let's read together Acts chapter 13, verse 1. Now in the church at Antioch, there were prophets and teachers, Barnabas and Simeon, called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, Menaean, who had been brought up uh, with Herod, the Tetrarch, and Saul. While they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. So after they had fasted and prayed, they placed their hands on them and sent them off. The two of them, sent on their way by the Holy Spirit, went down to Seleucia and sailed from there to Cyprus. When they arrived at Salamis, they proclaimed the word of God in the Jewish synagogues. John was with them as their helper. Uh, So that's John Mark, uh, and he takes off later on. Uh, And so uh, there's an interesting story there. Uh, He causes some division with Barnabas and Saul. Um, They traveled through the whole island until they came to Paphos. There they met a Jewish sorcerer and false prophet named Bar-Jesus, who was an attendant of the proconsul Sergius Paulus. The proconsul, an intelligent man, sent for Barnabas and Saul because he wanted to hear the word of God. But Elymas, the sorcerer, for that is what his name means, opposed them and tried to turn the proconsul from the faith. Then Saul, who was also called Paul, filled with the Holy Spirit, looked straight at Elymas and said, "'You were a child of the devil and an enemy of everything that is right.'" You are full of all kinds of deceit and trickery. Will you never stop perverting the right ways of the Lord? Now the hand of the Lord is against you. You are going to be blind for a time, not even able to see the light of the sun. Immediately mist and darkness came over him, and he groped about, seeking someone to lead him by the hand. When the proconsul saw what had happened, he believed, for he was amazed at the teaching about the Lord. So Barnabas and Saul are sent sent from Antioch, And the call was similar to Abram's. If you read uh, all the way back in Genesis chapter 12, uh, you see this person called Abram uh, called from his land of Ur to the land that God would call him to. Now, here's the thing. Uh, he he, He doesn't know where it is. He just says, go here. And so Paul and Barnabas's call is similar to that. And I want to speak to those of you that, uh, you know, you're all in. You know, you may have said all in recently, or you've said you're all in uh, 20 years ago, and you felt that call. You felt the call that you, you noticed, hey, this isn't just about, um, I get it, I'm not a spectator, I'm all in for the gospel, I, I want to know my part, and you've started out and you're like, hey, uh, what is going on? You know, I, I said I'm all in, and this is messy, and, and I don't know where I'm going, and, and sometimes I, I don't know what I'm doing, and, and this isn't working out the way it's supposed to, and I must not have heard from God. Guess what? That's how it works. You see, the, the, the faith, um, the unknown is the faith adventure, right? We walk by faith, not by sight, and so if you want to follow after Jesus and you want, to, you want to make an impact upon the world, like you want to make a positive impact and, and partner with him and spread the good news and help people and change things, the, welcome to the unknown. It's a faith adventure. And the question is, is how much, how much sight do you need and how much faith can you bring to the table? There's not presumption. You don't want to do presumption, but how much faith? This is something God's called me to. So I want to speak to you guys just about that, that you, know, you, you may get discouraged. The biggest thing is discouragement. 
You know, you've set out, I want to partner with God, I want to help people, I want to serve them, I, I, I'm, uh, I'm a missionary, I'm a pastor, I'm a, I'm a worship leader, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a children's worker, I'm a, you know, I'm a, you know I, I'm, I'm, or I'm a, I'm a teacher at the public school and I'm pouring in, bringing the gospel that way, or I'm, I'm caring for the poor in the community, or I'm, I, I see myself as a neighborhood pastor, I'm helping people, the only problem is my neighbors hate me. Uh, you know, you've got all this stuff going on, you've felt this call, whatever God's called you to, and there's the unknown. I just want to encourage you, it's okay. Keep serving. Keep putting one foot in front of the other. Keep knocking on the door. Keep loving people. And here's the thing. If you're in that place and you feel like, you know, yeah, I know I'm called, and, but it's not going good. Here's what I want to say. Do something. You know? I would say that there's probably one or two of you in here that, that God called you to do something at some point and, and you've been just kind of hanging out like, well, I don't know. Well, I don't know. What do I do? And, and, and the, the key is, is do something. Because it, it's a lot easier to, to, to steer a moving car than a parked car, yeah? Right? The same is for God. And so if God's called you to something, if he's called you to step out and do something like this here, because this is the job of the church, you guys. This church that you see here, they say that they prayed and they fasted and they set apart Barnabas and Saul for this work. That's the work of the church. The work of the church is not to babysit. So if you want to know what's happening here, if you come here, here's, here's what's happening in, in my mind, in the leaders' minds here, is that how can we get you as dangerous as possible to the kingdom of darkness and the, the kingdoms of this world so that you impact and bring the light and love of Jesus to them? How can we get you filled with the Holy Spirit and loved up by God that you know that you are absolutely the child of God, the beloved, and that would fill you so much that you would not walk around defensive anymore, that you would not walk around selfish anymore, that you would walk around saying, God, where are you working? I want to go and do, do that. See, our job as leaders is to, is to not try to um, you know, make attenders and make good religious people, but our job is to, is to process, is to help take you through a process of evangelism. Here's the good news and the discipleship, which is a building up so that you become dangerous for the kingdom of God. And the kingdom of God is anywhere where the reign and rule of God dwells. And it happens first within people, and then it goes out into the community. See, it, religion tries to clean up the outside of things and, and change things, but no, it has to happen on the inside, and then it works itself out. It's always from the inside out. And so what we pray for and what we're working for, if you come here, what we're working is, is that we are trying to develop you as followers of Jesus. That you would put your hands and your feet to work here. If you want to know, what does it mean to be a part of the vineyard? Make a positive impact here on this place and this time. If you're here, make a positive impact here. How do you do it? What do you do? Well, that's part of the process. We help you. And then you say, well, what about my neighborhood? Make a positive impact in your neighborhood. Make a positive impact at your workplace. That's what it's about. And here's let me tell you. You say, well, but I'm not very good at that. I'm good at complaining about stuff, right? That's what happens when you are focused on the wrong thing about all of my needs. See, what happens in church a lot of times is, is we walk around like, well, yeah, but i got to clean up my stuff more. 
I'm still sinning. Again, welcome. Welcome. It's just, you're, you're going to continue to mess up. You're going to continue to get off track, okay? But the trick of the enemy is, is he tries to get us so focused on our sin that we would manage our sin. Like it's about me, I've, I've trusted in Jesus, but somehow I think I was supposed to become perfect, and so now I, I'm going to focus on stopping doing these things and start doing these things, and when I really get it together, then maybe God can use me. It just doesn't work that way. It just absolutely doesn't work that way. First of all, theologically, your sin is done, taken care of. It's done. Like you are clean, you are righteous in God. The trick is for the Christian is to believe that you're already there. That you're already, you're already there and to believe that more and more and then you'll walk it out. But we're so focused on managing our sin and, and cleaning ourselves up and doing things that we a lot of times don't get around to the purpose that he made us for in serving. And here's the thing, you guys. What's interesting is, is that what I've found, because I'm, I'm a sinner and I've done all kinds of things and all kinds of stuff and whatever, and what I found is, is that when I got about the work of God, when I started serving him and answering the call, I didn't have time to do all that stuff. I wasn't focused on that stuff. Isn't it interesting, right? You focus, what you focus on is what you do. And so the enemy likes to get the church just focused on sin. Well, I, I do this and I don't do this. I can't do this. Don't do it. What do you do when you focus on something? You do it because that's your focus. But if you focus on just receiving the love of God and then serving him and loving him and then your purpose in him, Amazing life happens, you guys. So the call results in them preaching to the island of Cyprus. And on there, you read Sergius Paulus, trust in Christ. He's the first convert to Jesus, to believe in Jesus, that didn't have any religious affiliation whatsoever, like Judaism. You saw other people come to faith in Jesus, but they were, they were God-fearers. They kind of were practicing Judaism, but they weren't Jews. And now you see this first guy. So that's like me. Like I came from a totally non-religious home. And I didn't have any construct of, of God and all, all sorts of stuff. I had my own, but it wasn't from any religion and that sort of thing. And then came to faith. And it, it's glorious. It's so good. You see this guy come to Jesus. So now this, this service that they're at, they go through a synagogue service in this town um, in, these, in these next chapters, uh, in these next verses of chapter 13. And the service in a synagogue, here's how it would flow. It would begin with the recitation of the Shema, which is the Lord your God is one, okay, the, uh, is one Lord. And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, and soul, and strength. And so they would go through this and recite it. It's from in Deuteronomy and other places in the Old Testament, Deuteronomy 6. Uh, they would, they would uh, have some prayers. Uh, they would have two lessons. They would have one from the Pentateuch, so Penta, right, five. So the first five books of the Old Testament, okay, which Moses wrote, they would have a, a teaching from there, then they'd have a teaching from the prophets. And, and then they would have an expository sermon where they would, it's like what I'm doing now. You have scripture and then you share it with other people. And they'd have a blessing. Well, Paul got up and shared a sermon. And, it, and we're not going to read the whole thing now, but if you want to know how to, if somebody that has questions wants to know, hey, tell me the history of God and how God has worked in time and space. What Paul shares here is excellent. Like, you could just read this to somebody. Hey, let's read this together. 
When I came to Jesus and, and, and people said, well, now you got to go share it. I said, okay. So that's what I did. I didn't, I didn't have the things memorized. I didn't understand tons, but I, I knew where to find stuff. So I would just, I'd, my friends would ask me, so what happened to you with Jesus? Well, hey, let's read together. And, and then all of a sudden, people said, well, that sounds right. I want to believe in Jesus too, okay? So you could do this. Um, so what Paul lays out is he lays out an introduction. So an Old Testament preparation. Here's how God worked in the Old Testament. And then the folk, he had a focus, which was the death and resurrection of Jesus. And so he went into that strongly. And then the conclusion was, is here's your choice, okay? Make a choice. This right here, if you want to share with people, right? And don't force this on somebody. I did that too. When I first started to follow Jesus, I'm like, gonna do it? Uh, one of my mentors was a, was a power lifter. Uh, he was a short Italian guy. He was one of the strongest men in the world in the 70s. And uh, there was lots of steroids involved and different things too. But uh, he, he brought a, a guy to Jesus once uh, but in the gym. There was this big guy that was always pushing against God or whatever. And, and so his name was Bear. And he, he lifted him up. This guy was like 275 pounds. Bear's super strong. He's like, you will give your life to Jesus now. You know, and he goes, okay, man, I'll do it. And so he prays this prayer and he goes through it. And, and he, he saw him later, like years later. And he's like, man, I'm so sorry. He goes, no, 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 it's okay. You know, I mean, yeah, it was a little unorthodox, but, 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 but I, it's stuck. It's stuck, right? But so here, the key is, is that you don't force things on people, right? You, you know, you have to be a gentleman like God. And so, but this is, if you want to share Jesus with people, this is a good uh, lineup uh, for, for discussion, right? For discussion about like, hey, what has God worked in in the world? Which is, here's how God worked in all of history in the Old Testament. Let me tell you about Jesus. And then what do you think? What's the choice that you want to make? Uh, you know, uh, because it goes into this in verse 38. It says, therefore, my friends, this is how he concludes. I want you to know that through Jesus, the forgiveness of sins is proclaimed to you. That's a great thing to share with people, that the forgiveness of sins is proclaimed through Jesus. What does that mean? It means we get a do-over. It means we get a second chance and a third and a fourth and a fifth, you know, that the grace of God covers all of our sins, that, that even though I look at my life and I may have messed it up and I'm, I'm doing a pretty bad work myself, that Jesus forgives me of my sins and makes things right between me and God, and he heals my family, and he restores me, and he makes me into the man or the woman that he made me to be, that that's what he does through Jesus. Through him, everyone who believes is set free from every sin, a justification you were not able to obtain under the law of Moses. So he's showing the thing. Look, you can't do this yourself. It has to be done to you. No matter how hard we try, we cannot make ourselves right with God. It has to be something that God does to us. Look, you scoffers, wonder and perish, for I am going to do something in your days that you would never believe, even if someone, I told, uh, if someone told you. So what happens next is the Jewish people that are listening in the synagogue reject the message. But the, the Gentiles accept the message. And it's because all of the, it says the next Sunday after they shared this, the whole town came. And so the Jewish leaders got jealous. And, you know, you look at that and you're like, well, why would they? I mean, they wanted people to know God. Look, you can be 
the most religious of religious. You can have great church attendance. You can, you can give and you can serve and do all the different activities. But unless the target of your affection and what you're really going after is that relationship with Jesus, that, that personal relationship with him, which is ultimately means that you're going to be laying down your life. Like, uh, there's going to be less of you and more of him, that he's going to ask you to serve and love people and, and give up things and, and die to yourself. And you have that love relationship going on. You can be just like these guys. It happens still today. When people come to Jesus, people will look and be like, well, what are they doing here? You know, I mean, you might even come in and somebody may be sitting in your seat. You know, right? Total sinner, right? You know, and... Uh, and so you look at that and you say, well, what's going on here? And I think that that's what heaven's going to be like too. That's why we need to get our hearts right now. I think that there's going to be a whole lot of people in heaven that, that we just like, wow. You know, you know why? Because the grace of God is that big. And so instead of negotiating in this life, let's enjoy it. I mean, that's what the book of Galatians is all about that Paul writes. It's about freedom. And so then, verse 49, it says, The word of the Lord spread throughout the whole region, but the Jewish leaders incited the God-fearing woman of high standing and the leading men of the city. They stirred up persecution against Paul and Barnabas and expelled them from their region. So they, they shook the dust off their feet as a warning to them and went to Iconium. And the disciples were filled with joy in the Holy Spirit. Notice that all throughout Acts, you see the disciples were filled with joy in the Holy Spirit. It's in the context of them serving. It's in the context of them taking part in the good news. And so you may say today, like you may, if you do an assessment of yourself, would you say that you're filled with joy in the Holy Spirit? You know, just keep it your own conversation right now. A lot of times we, we, we approach God and we're like, God, give me joy. God, give me joy, right? It's just like, I'm just a vacuum. I'm the world's largest vacuum. I'm just sucking in anything that I can get from God. And God will give you love, and he'll give you joy, and he'll give you things, and yet it's meant to flow out. Because, like, for what purpose? Like, are you just a joy container? Are you just, like, a Holy Spirit container? No, it's always meant to flow out into the street. And when I came to faith in Jesus when I was 15... I experienced his presence and his joy just powerfully. Uh, I remember the first time that I interacted with God, and I just, I, I just somebody shared with me, and, and it was in this cabin up in the snow, and, and I, I prayed to him, and, and I just felt like love just engulfed me. Just like, wow. And it was the Holy Spirit, his presence. He, God came near to me, and I gave my life to him. And, and as a teenager, my life didn't, like, I wasn't righteous. There was so much to clean up. And, but I always experience his presence. Like if we prayed, if somebody said, let's pray, I just was like, whoa, just powerful presence of God. And then, and I've shared this before with you guys. And then there was a time in my later teens where I, I tried to, I figured I didn't have a good enough testimony. So I, I worked on it some. <laughs> and, and I ran from God for a while. And I, I didn't stop believing, but I just said, I'm going to do my own thing for a bit. And it was a period of time where it was just this battling, this wrestling with God. And at the end of that time, I finally said, God, I give you my life back, but I didn't feel that presence. I didn't feel that. And, and, and that's when he spoke to me. I said, God, I just want to feel your presence. He says, no, you're going to commit to me now. 
You will commit to me now. And then guess what? Okay, great, what do I do? What's your place in the gospel? What's your place in sharing my good news? Now you're gonna serve other people and do that. That's where I got the joy in the Holy Spirit back because I took part in that. But it's just not about like, okay, love me. Let me have it. Just, you know, I mean, that's, that is part of it. But it's like, for what purpose? Now you go share it with everyone else. Now, the next thing that we see is we see kingdom proclamation and demonstration. And that's all throughout Acts. I mean, you don't see this idea of just kind of... Um, just sharing with people just the words. You never see that in the Bible. You always see, and Jesus is the way he did it. Even in the Old Testament, you see proclamation, which is, this is who Jesus is, this is who God is, this is what he's done, and his kingdom has come, and all other kingdoms must flee, including the kingdom of myself. And then they demonstrate it. And they demonstrate it by praying for the sick. They demonstrate it by casting out demons. They demonstrate it by people coming to know him and loving people. That's what happens. So let's read in verse 1. At Iconium, Paul and Barnabas went, as usual, into the Jewish synagogue. There they spoke so effectively that a great number of Jews and Greeks believed. But the Jews who refused to believe stirred up the other Gentiles and poisoned their minds against the brothers. So Paul and Barnabas spent considerable time there speaking boldly for the Lord who confirmed the message of his grace by enabling them to perform signs and wonders. Get it? Look at that. So Paul and Barnabas spent considerable time there speaking boldly for the Lord, who confirmed the message of his grace by enabling them to perform signs and wonders. That's the same today. You see the original disciples of Jesus do signs and wonders where God heals people and, and, and works in people's lives. And then you see... Um, a group of 70, which were the next circle of people around Jesus, they go doing signs and wonders. And then you see the 120 that were closest to Jesus, you see them that, then doing it. And then so it is today. And that's why, like, on the 21st, I dare you, I double dog, triple dog dare you to come to the training on the 21st, that all-teams meeting, and learn how to hear God's voice and pray for people. You'll never be the same. You'll never be the same to learn to do that because if you look at a competency of what it means to be a part of the vineyard, a part of this church here, is, is that, is, is that you, it's not for you to be a nice person. I mean, yes, be nice. But what if you were dangerous? Like you could hear God and what he's doing in people's lives and then, and then help minister his healing and his love to other people. I mean, think about it. Have you ever had somebody that you don't know whatsoever walk up to you and share something from God for you? Who, who's had that happen? Raise your hand. Okay, so several of you guys, yeah. You never forget it. Why? Because they couldn't have known it had to be God. So your skeptic is out the door. And yet, what if there was a bunch of people like that walking around? And so that's the training that happens. And so it's always confirmed by that. So you can share the word, but then you confirm it by signs and wonders. Um, the people of the city were divided. Some sided with the Jews, others with the apostles. There was a plot afoot among the Gentiles and Jews together with their leaders to mistreat them and stone them. But they found out about it and fled to the Lyconian cities of Lystra and Derbe into the surrounding country where they continued to preach the gospel. So in Lystra, God heals a man that was lame and and they're all fired up, these people. They're like, 
hey, this is great. And so they declare that, that Paul and Barnabas are, are these Greek gods. You know? And so all of a sudden they're bringing all these animals to sacrifice to them and stuff. You can't beat the Bible. I mean, this is absolutely, this is better than anything you'll watch on TV today. You know, they're, they're calling them gods and doing all kinds of stuff. And yet they say, no, 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 we're just like you. We're just regular men, just like you. And, and yet God is working through us. And then in Derby, many disciples are one as well. well. We'll read that in verse 20. It says, the next day he and Barnabas left for Derby. They, read, they preached the gospel in that city and won a larger number of disciples. Then they returned to Lystra, Iconium, and Antioch, strengthening the disciples, encouraging them to remain true to the faith. We must go through many hardships to enter the kingdom of God, they said. Paul and Barnabas appointed elders for them in each church and with prayer and fasting committed them to the Lord. <coughs> so again, processing. You know, here, here's what you need to know. Like our church here, you can come as you are. You don't have to change a thing from your regular life to come in here. Come as you are. Here's the thing, though. Don't stay that way. Don't stay that way. Because if we're really dealing with God, he's going to make you into the best version of yourself, the person that he made you for. Don't stay that way. So it's not about God just affirming you and all of that you're deciding. See, the one that made you has a design for you, and he's going to work you into that. <coughs> so it says, um, after going through Pisidia, they came into Pamphylia, and when they had preached the word in Perga, they went down to Italia. From Italia, they sailed back to Antioch, Antioch, Syria, where they, they had been committed to the grace of God for the work they had now completed. On arriving there, they gathered the church together and reported all that God had done through them and how he had opened a door of faith to the Gentiles, and they stayed there a long time with the disciples. And so um, the church of Galatians, like he wrote this letter to these guys afterwards, because um, you, you'll see later that um, some people came in and started changing up what they were saying. And it's basically like, hey, <coughs> that's great you trusted in Jesus, but you also need to do these religious tasks, these religious activities. And it's, the pressure's real. It's still today. Uh, the pressure's still real today where people are like, hey, that's great, but you got to do this. And, and that's great, but you got to do this. And there's just so much freedom in Christ, his work in us. And that's what Galatians was written to. So the struggle is, is very real, the battle. And so that's, that was written. So I challenge you guys, like if you want to dig into this further, you can read Acts 15, which we're going to study next week, and then, but, but then read Galatians. Read Galatians and what it speaks of. All right, so what are some takeaways for us today from this whole thing? Um, that question, what is my part in the gospel everywhere? You know, what is my part? The unknown is the faith adventure. And here's the, here's the thing, you guys. It's not about finding the, the, like the best you know, thing. Okay, this makes sense totally. But it's just like, God, what are you calling me to? What do you want me to do? What is it? And I will say this too, is that if you want more, if when I said, hey, make a positive impact here at the vineyard, make a positive impact in your neighborhood, your school, your workplace, those places, if you want more, come talk to me. And if you don't, but if you don't understand, you're like, I don't know what it is. I don't know how to do it. I don't know how to work it out. Come talk to me. I'll help. I'll absolutely help. That's how it works. 
is you help other people understand those things. So what is my part in the gospel everywhere? Don't let that question hang out there. Like, don't walk away from this Sunday without saying, I don't know, but I want to find out. Or saying, I think God's called me to do this. And it may be a person. God may say to you, you know what, you know what, Steve, your, your call of the gospel everywhere is this person. I want you to pray for that person. I want you to serve that person. I want to help with that. And, and then, or it may be this family, a certain family, or maybe a certain person at work, or it may be your workplace. Hey, you know what, John? I want you to transform your workplace. I want you to do it this way. I want good news to come in your workplace, okay? It may be a city. It's like, I have a passion for this city. It may be a neighborhood. Now, the next thing is, is change your target to proclaiming and demonstrating the kingdom. And it's changing the target from, uh, I want joy, I want joy, I want happiness. Everything's indirect in the kingdom of God. So we can pray all the time, like, <clears throat> God, give me this. God, help me with this. God, do this. <clears throat> it's indirect. So if I start hanging out with Jesus in the things that he's doing, then I get those things, right? But if I kind of just sit back, just like, give it to me. Let me have it, Okay. No, I'm going to go, God, where are you working? You know, where are you moving? And, and a, a good chance always is the poor. You always have the poor with you, Jesus said. So remember the poor. So, so if you're feeling, you know, uh, you're feeling dry today, you're feeling lost today, you're feeling apathetic today, you're feeling like just you're not a part of anything, you feel like you don't have a purpose, you don't feel like you're not making impact for good anywhere, go to the poor. So go to the poor, you know, economically. Go to the poor in spirit. Go to the people um, that are down and out. Uh, go to the people that um, are poor socially. Go to the people that have no friends. Go to the people that are struggling at their job at work. Just go to the poor. And you'll get joy there because Jesus is there. Because he's near to the brokenhearted. And so if you want joy, if you want to be filled with the Holy Spirit, change your target and then proclaim and demonstrate the kingdom of God in that place. If you change your target there, you'll have everything, right? Jesus spoke of that. You know, first seek the kingdom of God and all these other things will be added unto you. <clears throat> and you will be filled with joy in the Holy Spirit. And then the last thing is, is, is what is your purpose? Here's what I want you guys to know, and, and I want you guys to stand with me uh, right now. Um, and the band's going to come back up and we'll worship. But what is your purpose? I want you to hear this. Listen to me. Okay? You were made on purpose for a purpose. I heard that yesterday. I heard somebody say that. You were made on purpose for a purpose. Right? So just like this thing, this thing for the last 40 minutes has held up my stuff. That's what it's made for. What are you made for? And I know that you're beat up and you're, you're strung out and laid out and you know, all sorts of stuff have happened. You're just like, I don't know what I, I think I'm a punching bag. You know? Maybe not. But what is your purpose? And as we go into worship now, I want, I want, you, to, I want you to do something. And we're going we're gonna to sing this song, and then we'll just have a brief time of prayer and, and, and pray for different needs and things. And as always, I want you to say to yourself, as we go into ministry time, because that's after this song, as we go into ministry time, should I re be receiving prayer? Like, God, are you working something in me right now that I need to ask people to help with? Or... 
God, do you have something for me to share with somebody else? And it could be a picture or a word or a vision or a certain scripture or something. And then if, if, if God's like, I think you, I'm going to give you something for somebody else, then you look around. Okay? Oh, I think I'm supposed to encourage him. I think I'm supposed to encourage her. And, and, then, and then you do that. That's probably the most important thing that we do because it's responding to what God has done. And it makes it real, right? Like if we just go through things and read things and walk through but don't respond, then are we really taking God seriously? And so that's what we'll do now. But I want you to do this. And if you're comfortable, you may just like put your hands out in front of you like this, like you're receiving something, kind of like you're a waiter. Just do that right now, like if you're comfortable doing that. You don't have to. But just like you're receiving something. And I want you to, I want you to pray this prayer to God. I just, I want you to just sincerely to ask him to say, God, would you show me how much you love me? God, would you show me how much you love me? And so, yeah, come Holy Spirit. Come and just love up on these people. Come and just reveal your great love for them and your care for them. And break through the boundaries and the, and the, the labels and the things that have been set against them and the fear. So just receive, just sit here for a second. God, would you show me how much you love me? Thanks for listening this week. If you're looking for ways to serve, give, or get connected, please visit vineyardkcwest.com.